<clears throat> Good morning, everybody. Can you hear me out there? So great to see you, this friendly, friendly faces mostly. I'm just trying to look for the, you know, that one hostile face in the crowd. No, we're all good, I think. Um, before we get started with our, our message this morning, I wanted to just uh, tell you a couple things. Apparently, we need male vocalists for the Easter choir, and we need men, uh, particularly in two areas of our ministries in, in the church right now. We just, after last week where we were affirming kind of women in ministry, we need some men in ministry. And uh, for our Kidmo in the first service, we'd love to staff that with more guys. We've got a lot of boys in the first service in, in our grade, kindergarten to grade two. And so, uh, gentlemen, we'd love for you to step up. If that's something you'll, you'll love kids, we don't want you to just, because you're male, we'd like you actually to love kids too. Um, but that might be your gift. Is, uh, and so, so you can contact our office and we'll get you connected with Marnie, our children's ministry coordinator. Second thing, uh, youth high school ministry, we'd love some guys there too. And so we have uh, a good team assembled, the youth, youth ministry team, and we just would love to have a couple more gentlemen in that role. And so if you'd like to serve in our youth ministry, you can talk to Emily. Where's Emily? She's out actually doing youth ministry right now or contact our office again, we'll, we'll direct you to the right person. So uh, with that, uh, I'll encourage you to maybe respond to that as you feel led. Second thing is really excited about this spring. Uh, I want you to put a, a date in your brain, June 7th to 8th, uh, here at Hillside, or pardon me, yeah, 7th to 8th. It's a Friday night and all day Saturday. Uh, we're, we're bringing in the Encounter God's Presence weekend which is a ministry out of Center Street Church in Calgary. We have a Center Streeter here this morning. I'm sure you probably have heard of this, but it's a ministry where it's just an, an encouragement, a teaching, prayer ministry, uh, sort of a, an opportunity to go deeper, to experience maybe some deliverance from baggage from the past, but certainly to move forward in our faith and to move deeper in our faith. And so it's going to be intense, and so it's not for the faint of heart. We encourage you to consider coming to that. There's a, a charge for it. It includes meals where it will be here for Friday dinner and, and three meals on, on Saturday. Uh, it's 15, we're subsidizing it as a church. So instead of $99, a hillsider can come for 59. And a, um, it's for 18 and up. So for students though, it's $39. So we'll have more details in the weeks to come, but want you to kind of save those dates. Don't plan a getaway that weekend. We love for, for our, certainly our core to be there and would encourage you to consider that. So more details in weeks to come. Uh, if you have a Bible, uh, maybe a Bible a, a phone on your app or app on your phone, feel free to turn there. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 11, and one verse from chapter 4. And uh, our... Uh, our ushers are handing out notes for the sermon, so make sure you grab one of those as well. But for those who are able, if you would stand for the reading of God's Word. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, this is verse 1, to his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, Moses saw that, pardon me, saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush doesn't burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, 
Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And then over to chapter 4, verse 12, 13, Moses said again, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Let's, uh, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, thank you, Lord, that you speak to us. And this morning, we're come, coming with uh, sort of like the, the psalmist says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. And uh, Lord, we come with open minds, open hearts, uh, longing for you to speak to your people today and to lead us into that abundant life that you're calling us to. Help us heed your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have a seat. Some of you know my sons, uh, Caleb and Noah. They, you, you know them if you've been around for a while because they attended here their entire lives. This has been their only church until recently. But they're both men now. And uh, something I got to say I miss about their grown-up selves is we used to love, as a family, watching the latest cartoons, the, the films, the Pixar stories, and all those that Disney would produce. And uh, our sons have both matured out of that. They have mature taste now. But uh, one of our favorites, which we lo- watched a lot as, as kids, uh, when they were kids, was Kung Fu Panda. Any Kung Fu Panda fans here? Yeah, thank you. Like two people. Come on, people. Kung Fu Panda was awesome. In fact, I wanted to just show the entire film this morning. I thought it's got so many great stories and sermon clips in it. But uh, I'll start this morning by just showing you one two-minute clip, uh, a scene where Poe, the panda guy, is talking to his dad about dreams. So let's uh, watch the screen. Poe, let's go. You're late for work. Coming. Sorry, Dad. Sorry doesn't make the noodles. What were you doing up there? All that noise? Oh, nothing. Just, uh, had a crazy dream. About what? Huh? What were you dreaming about? What was I... Uh, I was dreaming about, uh... Uh... Noodles. Noodles? You were really dreaming about noodles? Uh, yeah. What else would I be dreaming about? Oh, careful, that soup is sharp. Oh, happy day. My son finally having the noodle dream. 
You don't know how long I've been waiting for this moment. This is a sign, Poe. Uh, a sign of what? You are almost ready to be entrusted with the secret ingredient of my secret ingredient soup. And then you will fulfill your destiny and take over the restaurant. Just as I took it over from my father, who took it over from his father, who won it from a friend in a game of mahjong. Dad, 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 it was just a dream. <laughs> no, it was the dream. We are noodle folk. Broth runs through our veins. But Dad, didn't you ever, I don't know, want to do something else? Something besides noodles? Actually, when I was young and crazy, I thought about running away and learning how to make tofu. So why didn't you? Oh, because it was a stupid dream. Can you imagine me making tofu? <laughs> tofu. <laughs> no, we all have our place in this world. Mine is here and yours is- I know, is here. No, it's a table two, five, seven, and 12. Service with a smile. What a poignant father-son. I get teared up just watching that whole scene. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, I love this whole, uh, the, the, the goose dad of the panda, Poe, uh, is saying like, we all have our place in the world. And they're talking about dreams. And, and, and you know, the assumption is, is that pandas had this noodle dream, the dream that's going to confirm that he's supposed to follow in his dad's footsteps. And some of you parents out there are waiting for your kids to have, you know, whatever you do dream, right? Uh, maybe, maybe that's part of your dream. Uh, my son, I actually was blown away the moment when he told me he wanted to be a pastor. I'm like, are you sure? Like, really? That's your dream? I, I basically wanted him to be sure, because it's, it's one of those things. But uh, I, love, I love that scene, because Panda has this moment, Poe has this moment where he begins to clue in that he's got a call on his life. And it's a call to something more, something greater, something important, something significant. Maybe it involves what his dad's been doing all his, his whole life, but it's probably more. And, and I think probably for every single person here, you've had moments like that, where you've sensed that it wasn't an accident that God placed you on this planet. You know, where, where we have this sense that God has put us here with some intentionality and, and with purpose in mind. And Scripture confirms this. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2.10 in a well-known passage says, for we are all God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do goods, good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And then Jeremiah, the, the prophet in the Old Testament, he, he speaks of God having plans for his people. I, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you your hope and a future. And, and so our question is kind of the question we've been asking in this series over, over the last number of weeks is what are God's plans for us? What are, what are his purposes for us? How, how does God want to uniquely use each of us to be a blessing to the planet? You know, how, how does God want to use you with your unique personality, your one-of-a-kind uh, talents and abilities, with, with, with your heart and passion and with your spiritual gifts? And really the question I want to ask is, is how do we discover God's call on our lives? The Bible actually tells us that there are three calls to each person. 
Um, some of you know this, this will be a review, review for some of you, but there's first of all the human call. We talked about this last week. We, we find this in the earliest pages of Scripture, how every person, male or female, is called to be a steward of life and creation. It's going to involve us caring for the planet and caring for human beings. It's going to mean that we're going to be environmental and, and actually humanitarian in the very best sense of those words. Doing that is part of our call. Procreation is part of that. Remember what God said to Adam and Eve? Be fruitful and multiply. I, I have friends who have very big families, lots of kids. I think they're single-handedly trying to accomplish that mission. That's the human call to everybody. There's also the call to Jesus. This invitation that Jesus makes to every person, come, follow me. Come, you're thirsty, come drink of me. You're hungry, I'll meet those needs in your life. Um, some of you remember that, that line from that film, Jerry Maguire, it's kind of well known but where the Tom Cruise character, Jerry, is trying to win back the girl that he's lost, and he shows up at her house, and at a kind of a, you know, kind of a key moment in the film, he says, you complete me. And of course, she responds with this equally now famous line where she says, you know, you had me at hello, right? Do you remember, many of you remember that? Um, Jerry McGuire in that scene couldn't be more wrong. As Scripture so clearly teaches us that, that no relationship, no romantic relationship, no job, no career, uh, no amount of money, no amount of comfort or, or security can actually complete us. There's, there's this God-shaped hole in each of us, and so Jesus comes to us, and He's the one who says, I complete you. <laughs> I, that's, my, that's why I'm here. I complete you you. Jesus is the one who, who says, you want to know your place in the world? You find your place in me. I, I'm meant to be your true home. Uh, Jesus calls every single person to, to enter into a relationship with him. And, and I want to just throw this out there, because there might be someone here that, who's, who's on, the, on the bubble of this. They don't, they, maybe you haven't taken that step. And Jesus makes that invitation to you, and it's not a difficult thing for you to do. It's you saying yes to Jesus, opening up your life to him and agreeing to follow him, asking him to forgive you for your past, your brokenness, and inviting him to lead you into his future. You can do that. So a second call, call to Jesus. Thirdly, we have this personal vocation. Vocation is another word for call. We have a specific call to do something in the world, much broader, much larger than, say, your paid job although it can include that. Uh, what that means is when you retire from your paid gig, whatever that might be, even though you're not drawing a paycheck anymore, your, your call from God does not end. As we've said before to some of our retired folks, you're not dead, you're not done, right? This third call is where we're going to kind of live today as we conclude this series on gifts. We're going to ask some key questions around this. And we maybe think that this is only relevant for kids, for, for youth and for young adults. But I, I think this is relevant no matter what our age are, because as we consider our call, we're, there, there's redirections and there's refinements along the way, but there's also this remembering that needs to go on. For some of you who are a little bit further along in your journey, you, 
maybe have kind of forgotten. Maybe this, your job or whatever it might be, has become so big that you've missed this God call. You've forgotten kind of that peace that you sensed God put you on the planet for. And maybe you're here this morning so you can kind of actually reorientate to what he's called you to. Um, I, I attended two uh, high school grad ceremonies in the last couple of years, three years. I got to be a proud, proud dad in those moments, but I had uh, countless conversations with schoolmates of my son's, and it would always lead, I mean, just in that setting, at a grad ceremony, you just can't not say, so uh, what's next? Um, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And uh, some of these student schoolmates would get wide eyes, and they, you could tell they were like deers caught in the headlight. You know, they just didn't know. And I remember one guy, I'll never forget what he says. He says, I have no clue. And, and I guess what I want to say to you here this morning is, yes, you do. God's given us clues. He's given each person clues that we can pay attention to. And we can kind of, part of our journey of following God is actually paying attention to those, uh, l- those leads that he's given us so that we can actually learn to follow God. Because you know what? God really loves you. And he doesn't want you kind of stumbling around and feeling aimless about your life purpose. He'll, he'll guide us. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, it's kind of true in one sense that we'll be on a journey where we don't know exactly where we're going. I mean, uh, Abraham and Sarah get called by God to leave their homeland, and they don't know entirely what God has in mind, uh, but they, they follow his lead. And there'll be a lot of things that won't be entirely clear in our journey. Otherwise, it would not be a faith journey for us. But even in the midst of that, there are real clues that God has planted in you that help, help you know that Christ is leading you. We get help here in, in this, these call stories that we read in Scripture. Um, you have Moses, as we read, and the, and the burning bush where he meets God and gives, he's given a mission. But there's also the call stories of people like Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Isaiah. In the New Testament, you have the Apostle Paul uh, having a dramatic call story on the road to Damascus, blinding light, an encounter with Jesus. But as, uh, if you look at some of the dynamics of these call stories in Scripture, you see factors that seem to be kind of common in all of them. And as one Bible scholar points out, he says, there's dynamics that we can, these are the kind of things we can be looking for in our calls. I want to look at a few of these this morning. The first is this, simply an awareness of need. Uh, the clues to God's call don't come in a vacuum. They don't necessarily happen when you're up on a mountaintop for a year. Uh, they, they happen in the midst of your very real life with kind of need all around you. We know Moses was called to lead the people of Israel out of slavery, but we also know that, that earlier in Moses' life, this was a, a real issue for him. He was really concerned about the enslavement of God's people that he saw. In fact, he actually murders to actually protect the lives of a couple slaves. But so Moses had an awareness of that need before the call. It's interesting how in, in, in the call stories in Scripture, they, they seem to often have an allusion to fire. You see, there's all kinds of needs in the world, but your heart seems to burn for one or two or three of those needs. A synonym for fire could be weight or, or burden. 
And so you have a particular burden for a particular need. And, and God, in his wisdom, will deposit a fire or a passion or a weight in our hearts for a particular need. In, in Philippians 2.13, the apostle Paul says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So God's doing this in you. He's, he, he awakens a passion or fire in us for something that can be a clue to, that God is calling us to a particular work. So the first clue, I'd say, is, is becoming aware of a need. The second clue is something we've been kind of talking about for weeks, but it's, it's coming to understand some of the, the giftedness that we have in the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, uh, verse 6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Paul's saying every follower of Jesus is gifted. They have different gifts. We're, we're gifted by the Holy Spirit, each of us, in some unique way. It's like Jim Collins talks about in his great book, Good to Great. He, he says one of the, the ways you can discover your purpose is by discovering your hedgehog. Um, what's a hedgehog? I, I don't know about you, I always think Purdy's chocolate, you know? That's what I think of when I think hedgehog. I, I don't even, have I ever even seen an actual hedgehog? I don't know. But actually, it's, it's a small animal with, with spines or needles like hairs, you know, sticking out from its little body, right? But Collins says kind of famously in his book that, that when a hedgehog and a fox fight, the hedgehog always wins. And why is that? Like the fox who's kind of wily and smart and has kind of all these techniques and, and approaches, how can it beat the hedgehog? Well, it's because the hedgehog does only one thing, but it does that one thing really well. It rolls into a little ball and points its spikes out, right? And it'll, it'll always sort of be able to manage to defend itself against prey that are, that are bigger and better than him in, in some senses. And Collins, Collins suggests that part of discovering your purpose or the purpose of a company or even a church is to determine what is your hedgehog, the thing that you do uniquely well. What is God in his, in his design, in his creativity, kind of deposited it in you that's meant to be a gift to the world that, that is kind of unique to you. And so we, we become aware of the gifts that has been entrusted to us. There's kind of another thing that you need to understand about this is often coupled with your unique sense of calling or gifting, I should say, is also a profound sense of inadequacy. Uh, Jeremiah says, why me? I'm, I'm just a youth. It's interesting here, God says, <laughs> Don't ever say that again. And, and just to you younger Christians uh, in your journey with God, um, one of the temptations, I think, when it comes to thinking about the call of God on your life is to, is to use your, your youngness as kind of a, an excuse. I'm just 15. What do I know? I'm just a kid. What, what, what would God want to do with me? And, and God actually, at very, a very early age, gives us things, gives us a, a calling that we're then accountable for. And, and we're meant to step into that. And, and you're not allowed to actually let, be off the hook for it. I mean, that's just actually part of the gift of it. This is not meant to be a heavy for you. I think it's just I'm meant to step into that. Don't, don't wait till you figured more of life out. Um, I think Moses 
you know, Moses who's educated and trained at the, the highest levels of, of government in Egypt, and God wants to send him to Pharaoh. And what is his response? I can't go. <laughs> you know, send somebody else. And by the way, everyone in Scripture, see, except for Jesus, seems to respond to this the same way in, in terms of their call. Clearly, from our perspective, they're gifted. Moses, who could be better? Jeremiah, absolutely. But as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2, who is adequate for such things? Well, we'd say, you are, Paul, <laughs> you know? But not from his perspective. We're looking from the outside, uh, but he knows what, he, what his call is, and he knows this call on his life can't be fulfilled on his own. He won't make it. And so coupled with appropriate giftedness is also the sense of, of being inadequate or, or perhaps a sense of humility. I think of my preaching role here at Hillside. I mean, I get to preach a lot, and, and I, I want to tell you, I, I, how do I feel on a Sunday morning? Pretty much scared every time, Right? I think it makes sense because if we are joining God in his work in the world, if God doesn't show up, it's not going to work. If God doesn't move the heart of Pharaoh, Moses' words are going to mean nothing. So we discover our gifting, but we also discover our dependence on God. Okay, one more clue. This is kind of important, is confirmation of the body of Christ. Others who actually other followers of Jesus who say, you're gifted to do this, to, to meet those needs. We see these gifts in you. We experience Jesus in you when you serve in those ways. I think this makes sense. I mean, any of you ever watch those reality shows uh, like American, America's Got Talent or American Idol or So You Think You Can Dance? Yeah, I'm sure you have. And then somebody gets up and they sing and they can't sing and it like grates the ears. It's like painful to listen to. Actually, I think that's why those shows are worth watching because if you wanted to just watch people sing well, I mean, just, you know, listen to Spotify or something, but it's fun watching people fail a little bit. Guilty pleasure, anybody? Just a little bit, right? Yeah, you love that. I could see it. You're, you're really Christian, you guys. Uh, yeah, way to go. Spiritual gifts. Got to teach on that next, next week, I think. Um, but... But one of the, the, the things about that show is you get somebody who can't sing, and I think one of the gifts, the judges, wh- how do they respond? Well, uh, on one of the shows now, the guy hits a, an X button, you know, and, and, and off the show they go, like stops him in their tracks, and, but, but occasionally you'll he- hear these words from the judge, dude, that's not your gift. You shouldn't be singing. I, I think that's, that's a good gift, actually, that they, a service they provide in that show. But then on top of that, you, you think about the hidden gems they discover, someone like Susan Boyle. Someone who, I'm just guessing, uh, just from her appearances on that show, that probably the world overlooked her. And they hear her sing, and they're like, there's genius, girl. You should be doing this. And folks, I I think we're going to be like talent scouts in the church. We're going to be looking around at the people that we interact with, people in our small groups, people in our families, people on our ministry teams, and she would be looking for talent, looking for the way God has gifted individuals and calling them out and, and occasionally gently redirecting them when maybe they've got it wrong, like pointing them in another direction. So confirmation from others is, is key. But all of these are, are some of the clues of, of where the call is for you. Where does the fire burn from you? What, what is 
What is your unique giftedness, that, that, that wiring that God has made you? Where do you feel inadequate at the same time in lieu of that? And then what is the body of Christ confirming in you? And I want to just take the rest of our time that we have this morning and I encourage you to ask some questions of yourself. These are, are six questions that I, I heard Daryl Johnson share. He shares this with students at Regent College where he was a professor there. But these are six questions. They're in your notes and, and you can uh, look at them. But I, I think they're like Hansel and Gretel crumbs that can help lead you to discover what God's call is on your life. So let's go through these questions for just a few minutes here. First question, when you were a little girl or a little boy, when did you feel most alive? When you're a little boy, a little girl. You know, when did you feel most yourself? You know, we have a lot of teachers in this church. I, you know, I, I, uh, I have a hunch that, that teachers, you know, born teachers, they don't get excited when spring break, break comes. When do, when do, as a little kid, if you're meant to be a teacher, they get excited when September comes, right? That's when they get a little bit thrilled. They're organizing their friends and having little teaching sessions during playtime, right? Um, these are clues. There's all kinds of clues that happen to us when we're kids, when we're like six or seven, probably seven, eight, nine would be key years here, I think. Graham Greene, in one of his novels, put it this way. He said, in childhood, there is a moment where the door is opened and the future is let in. So those of you, some of you, some of you were young here this morning, and, and I would say pay attention to when you feel most alive. Pay attention to what brings you life, what excites you. Those might be clues. Second thing is as you look out at the world's need, what in your mind is the greatest need? We might say here at the church that, you know, in this room, uh, the greatest need is that people meet Jesus. And for sure that's true. We, we believe that. We, we have our church organized in order to, to share that with the world. But for, for, for you, what need, what of, what of what Jesus brings to the world, what of those needs burns brightest for you? What might that be? For an artist, they might think that the world most needs beauty. For an engineer, they might feel like the, the world most needs organization, bring, bring order from the chaos. For a leader, vision. For a counselor, maybe emotional or, or mental health. Uh, for you, it might be food for the hungry that you think the world needs most, or, or peace, or truth, or understanding, or love, or community, or freedom. I'd suggest all of these are clues. It's kind of that awareness of, of, of need peace. Thirdly, what would you like to see happen in other people's lives? Now think of the friends you know. Think of the neighbors you have. Think of your family. What is it you would like to see happen to them? Your desire for other people can be a clue to what God has wired you for. Uh, and by the way, I just want to say, some of these questions you can't answer off the top of your head. You're going to have to take take these and journey with them for a while. They're not necessarily easy to answer. Um, but that leads us to the next question. What bugs you about other people? What bugs you about people you do life with? You can, you can think about this with people. You can think about this with organizations. You can even think about it in terms of church. What bugs you about leaders? The answer might be a clue to your sin. Jesus 
gave us real warnings on this. He says, take the log out of your own eye before you're trying to take the speck out of somebody else's eye, right? So it could be a clue to our sin, but what bugs us about other people might also be a clue to our calling, you know? I, I think of how I used to, as, as, a, as a young kid, like seven years old, I used to get really annoyed in church. I think God's got such a sense of humor that he called me to be a pastor. But there were things that bothered me, and in my profound, egotistical, not humble moments as a seven-year-old, I, I sometimes thought, as I looked at what was happening, I think I could do it better. <laughs> I, that was part of, part of my journey, was actually having enough of those moments that I think maybe that's what God might be calling me to, proud, stupid kid who was also awesome at the very same moment. When you think about what annoys you or makes you angry, say, say you're part of an organization and you get frustrated about how important things are getting overlooked, that's a leadership perspective. Or if you notice how details keep falling through the cracks, that could be a, a call to administrative work. Or you keep thinking this event would be better with good food, you know? Or this, this, this room would be so much nicer with a little bit of paint and decor, that could be a call to design or to hospitality. What I'm saying is even our annoyances can be clues for us. Isn't that wild? I think so. Fifth question is a dreaming question. Uh, if money were no object and you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? And you can't just say retire. Okay, that's not the answer to this question. Money, no object, you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? Particularly when you think about advancing the kingdom of God. How would you answer that? Now, now ironically, money or finances is actually one of the greatest obstacles to actually following the clues in God's, it, 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 the clues in our lives. Dallas Willard, uh, author of Divine Conspiracy, says the greatest obstacle to living God's kingdom adventure is securing our future financially. We have difficulty in trusting God for, for finances, and this is a spiritual issue you have to address if you are going to follow the clues to your call. So many people are, are doing things they, they really do not want to do because they've opted for a lifestyle that requires a certain level of income. There'll be a cost to following our call, and it may be a financial cost. On the other side of it, there's this whole deal, this reality called economic viability. Again, Jim Collins talks about this. Everyone, whether a company or individual, they need what you might call an economic engine. That's fancy talk for, for saying you, you gotta eat, right? Uh, and it's obviously a concern if you've got family to take care of, if, if you're married, you've got kids, kids are expensive, you, you, you want to live in the lower mainland. Um, but I just want to clarify, God will give us a call. He'll give us a vocation, but it's likely that he'll give us a, a kind of central vocation and then a secondary vocation. Think of the Apostle Paul. He had this primary vocation of, of teaching and preaching and writing and encouraging churches but at the same time, he had a secondary vocation, which was tent making. By the way, Aquila and Priscilla, who we talked about last week, they were tent makers too. They were kind of in the same deal. They were church leaders in the church, kind of pastors, but, but they were also tent makers like Paul. They had a friendship around that. But 
it may be that God calls you to a primary vocation, and then perhaps He calls you to a secondary vocation that actually pays the bills and, and, and helps you care for those you love or yourself. It's kind of like the, the whole, uh, in, 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 the, in the greater Vancouver area, we have lots of actors and musicians and, and people in the entertainment industry, and we have that, that you know, phrase, right? Starving artist. But you might have a person who's called to acting. They're called to actually, you know, bring beauty to the world. And yet, for a long time often, that doesn't pay the bills. And so you work at Starbucks or you have another job that actually pays for that while you pursue that primary calling. The, the, the Starbucks job might be a secondary calling, but that, and, and here's the thing. Both of those callings are honorable, and God can be found in all of those things and all of those places. So there's that whole idea. Okay, number six, last question. Where do you find your greatest joy? G.I. Packer, the theologian, once said that there's been the idea sometimes around some Christian circles. The definition of a Christian is someone who is afraid that somewhere someone is having fun. Actually, Jesus' desire for his followers is that their joy would be full. And we've had this idea that if it's service, I shared about this before, if it's service, it's going to be drudgery somehow. Like if we're serving God, we're not going to like it. But if God's calling you to something, it's going to lead you to a place of joy. And so you ask the question, where do you find your greatest joy? Um, writer Frederick Buchner says, the place you're called to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. In other words, what do you think is the world's greatest need and where do you find your greatest joy? Good example of this might be composer Franz Joseph Hayden. He said, there really are so few happy and contented people. There's so many sad and miserable people around Perhaps my work might offer them some rest and refreshment. And, and, and this guy, he loved composing music, and he saw one of the great needs of people was to be restored and encouraged through music. So where do you find your greatest joy? These are all, all clues that we have, and, and, and the path is to listen to those clues and to trust that God has, has placed those clues in us, and you can kind of take those questions and here's my encouragement to you, is that you actually just don't answer them by yourself, but maybe go on a bit of a journey with somebody else. Uh, have conversations around this, maybe in your small groups. We've been kind of doing this deal with, as a family through our boys' entire growing up years. And so it's not become uncommon in our household for, for someone to say, I see this gift in you. I see that in you. In fact, we had a Skype call with our our one son who's in Australia right now, and we had, even in those moments, that kind of conversation this week as we see him developing into the person who God is calling him to be. Here, here's a, a, a quick habit that I've mentioned before, but for, for some of you, this would be a good takeaway. You can do this in any small, intimate community group, but we do it as our family. You can do this in a small group or a ministry team, but uh, we do it as a family every birthday. Uh, we go to a restaurant and between ordering the food and receiving the food, we go around the circle, and everyone whose not birthday it is says something nice about the birthday person. We call it the kind of affirmation exercise. And so we just go around, and, and, and you know, when our kids were younger, it'd be like, I like that we have the same taste in movies. 
I like, you know, it, it was kind of real basic, basic things, but it's gone on to be the kind of environment where I look forward to my birthday now because as my boys are now men, they speak into my life things that are so affirming. I, I don't think I've ever received words of affirmation like I have for my sons who've lived with me for 20 years, have seen all, they're in a position to see all kinds of who I am, and they're calling it out. And you could do this. You could do this if you're in a relationship. You should be looking for the gifts in that other person and and sharing that. Uh, Kids and teens, I want to tell you this. My parents weren't really strong in this. Uh, in terms of like words of affirmation or words of, of, of I see this in you. I, I don't feel like I kind of grew up in that environment. I would have liked more from my parents. And at some points, I dragged it out of them. And you might need to do that. Mom, Dad, what do you see in me? What do you, th- what do you think I have to offer the world? Pull it, out, drag it out of them if you have to. A couple final thoughts as I conclude. When you're in doubt, Pray. If you don't know, pray. God gives us clues. But even better than that, God gives us himself. He gives us his spirit. Each of those call stories in scripture, if you read them, they all happen in the context of a conversation with God. And then you got James 1, 5 that says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You know, when I thought about becoming a pastor, which had been a path I thought I didn't want to take, um, but there were a lot of clues that kind of led me in that direction, people that spoke into my life along the way and, and recognizing that I had a heart for the church and these kind of things. But I had a lot of doubt and I had a lot of fear. And I remember a journey of prayer that, that led me to being convinced that I had no other path, that God was calling me to do this And he confirmed that actually in this room, sitting right where you were sitting, Sherry, right there, I heard from God that I was meant to be a pastor. So it's just, I I think folks, prayer is gonna be, you know, part of your journey in this. But often the Lord will answer us, not with a specific job offer, but with a, a series of revelations about yourself. You begin to discover more of who he's made you to be, and it opens up just a, a broader world of possibilities. But as you seek him, he won't let you down. He'll give you clues. And I want to say this to just you younger adults this morning. We want to be a church that encourages you to dream and to dream big. Uh, we, we have a big God, and in him, we believe through him, with him, you can have a big impact. You can actually change the world. I really believe because of, of your life and God, you have enormous potential. You plus God is enough to be who he's called you to be. You by yourself, hard going, with God, enormous possibility. But you gotta remember, the dream isn't about you. It's not about making you great. It's a, it's a, it's a God dream. It's about learning what it means to serve and, and to serve out of who, who he's made you to be, but for the sake of others. I was struck by this quote I came across recently. It says, someone somewhere is depending on you to be what God has called you to be. Someone somewhere is depending on you to actually step out and follow this 
call that God has in your life, which means you do not need a spectacular set of gifts or talents. You don't have to compare yourself to anybody else and and who they are or what they have. You don't necessarily need a burning bush experience. God has put in you all that you need to fulfill your calling. You only need a heart full of grace and, and, and a soul generated by love and a willingness to step out and live the life God has called you to. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's just pray. Lord God, I want to just say thank you that you uh, have given each of us clues, direction as to what we're called to do with our lives, Lord. I love the fact, Lord, that you've, you've created us with such purpose and mindfulness, Lord. You, you have desires for us to actually be agents of change in the world, to make the world a better place by our presence and by our work. God, would you give us courage to pay attention and to listen and to actually step out and follow the clues and to actually engage with this world that needs us so very much to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Give us grace. I pray for those who feel a little lost in this. I pray that they might discover you speaking very clearly. I pray, God, that we might be talent scouts for one another in this church. We might call out the giftedness and we see the the callings that we see. And Father, I pray that for those who, who just need to hear this call and, and this invitation that Jesus makes to each of us, I complete you. Give them the courage to respond to that invitation too. That in following you, we discover we've gained everything and we meet the needs at the, the heart of our soul. We pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes when we uh, think of God's call in our life, there's this, there's this weight to us, as I said earlier. This, your life matters, actually. God created you with such intent. And, and so you can walk away from a message like that feeling just heavy, but I love the words of that song. Build your life on his love, and, and then you're free to step out and follow your call. Because God's your safety net. He's with you and he's for you. And, and, and guess what? Whether you had somebody in your life cheering you on, he's cheering you on. Whether, whether you have a, a parent who's, who's calling out great things in you, our Heavenly Father sees you and he sees all your, your glory and your potential. He, he, sees, he sees the masterpiece that he's making you into. He's the kind of God you can follow because you know it'll be okay. So let me conclude with these words. You're God's handiwork. You're God's masterpiece. And you've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. And God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future.
receive that. That's over your life. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you.